0: It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. And final show from Radio Road this week, just two days away from the big game, Super Bowl 55. And what a show I've got lined up today. It's another three-interview special. L.A. Chargers right guard, five-time Pro Bowler Trey Turner is going to kick things off momentarily. I'll also be joined by two-time Super Bowl champ and New York Giants fan favorite Chase Blackburn and one guest that I absolutely cannot wait for, The legendary Archie Manning will join the show, so let's get to it. Super Bowl 55, just two days away, and not only is this game going to answer who the best team in football this season is, this game could very well determine who, when all is said and done, will be the greatest quarterback of all time. And that's not an overstatement, because Patrick Mahomes and this dynasty that he and Andy Reid have compiled in Kansas City this is a team that has the capability of going on to win six seven super bowls over the next 15 years and then you've got tom brady who's already playing in his 10th he's six and three thus far going for number seven if tom brady wins this super bowl against patrick mahomes and the chiefs this would solidify his status as the greatest quarterback of all time forever no argument if brady goes 7-3 in 10 Super Bowls, wins number 7 this Sunday, and does it head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes, then Mahomes can still go on and win 7 Super Bowls and match Brady. But Mahomes won't be the GOAT because Tom will have the head-to-head win. Now, on the flip side, if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, if he wins his second straight Super Bowl at the ripe age of 25 years old, he's already a third of the way to Tom's record, six Super Bowl wins. If Mahomes wins this one, he'll be 2-0. and You've got Brady, who would then drop to 6-4. and Mahomes at 25 is already a third of the way there, and he's perfect, whereas Brady, of course, would then just have a winning percentage of 60 in the big game. Still nothing to scoff at, but this game could very well determine who the greatest quarterback of all time will be by the time Patrick Mahomes hangs his cleats up in about 15, 20 years. Look, these quarterbacks can't do it alone, right? All the talk this week is the goat versus the kid, which, as Nate Burleson pointed out on NFL Network about a week ago, a kid is what you call a baby goat. That's Patrick Mahomes. The goat, of course, right now is Tom Brady. And if you're Kansas City, the key to winning this game from an offensive standpoint is to exploit Tampa Bay's secondary. You know, I always say Patrick Mahomes is just like Al Pacino, right? He doesn't need that all-star supporting cast around him. He will make the final product a masterpiece just by his presence alone. But in Mahomes' case, what he needs around him is exactly what he has, and that's track stars. I mean, does he have a couple of incredible Hall of Fame weapons in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? Absolutely. But Patrick Mahomes is capable of making the rest of his supporting cast. The McCole Hardmans, the DeMarcus Robinsons look just as good as any wideout in the league because of his talent. You give him the speed on offense, you give him the route runners, Patrick Mahomes will get him the ball. It doesn't matter who they are, and he needs to attack this Buccaneers secondary on Sunday because all the talk about Tampa Bay's defense is within their front seven. One of the best front sevens in football. It's why they have the best rushing defense in the game, but their secondary ranks just 21st in the league. I mean, you know, you saw some great defenses this season that couldn't defend the pass, and they ultimately couldn't win. You had the Colts, top three run defense, couldn't defend the pass, Buffalo knocked them out. You had the Seahawks, really formidable run defense, one of the worst passing defenses in league history, and they were an early out in the playoffs. Now you've got the Bucks, best run defense in the league, but can the pass defense hold up Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? We'll have to see, but it's Patrick's job to slice and dice that secondary, to expose the young, talented safeties they've got, Jordan Whitehead and Antoine Winfield, and really just attack Tampa's biggest weakness, the cornerback position. Now looking at the defensive side for Kansas City, they need to recreate the pressure from that AFC championship game. I mean, they've got an incredibly talented defensive line. This is a defense that hasn't been talked about a whole lot this season. But that D-line went out there against Buffalo in the AFC Championship game, and they made the Bills' offensive line look like one of the most porous groups in football. Chris Jones on the inside, Frank Clark on the outside. They need to pressure Tom Brady and this Bucks O-line. And that's the key for Tampa Bay on offense to be in this game. It's protect Tom, right? I mean, this offensive line has been phenomenal this season. They have clicked. They have gelled. They've only allowed one sack in each of the last two playoff games. Just one sack against the Saints, who had one of the best defenses in football this year. Just one sack against the Green Bay Packers, who forgot that third down defense was a thing in that NFC championship game. Look, if Brady only gets sacked once in the Super Bowl, then forget everything else I'm talking about. He's winning Super Bowl number seven. If the Chiefs can only bring him down one time in that game, Tom Brady is winning. He's dissecting that defense. But the only way you beat Tom on this stage is to pressure him. It's to hit him. It's to make him turn the ball over because Tom Brady is not going to beat himself. He's not going to make mistakes unless they're warranted, and the only way to do that, if you're Kansas City, is to approach this game, Steve Spagnuolo, the mastermind defensive coordinator, the same exact way they approached the Buffalo game in the AFC Championship. And now the final key, right? I've gone through what the Chiefs' offense needs to do, what the Chiefs' defense needs to do, what Tampa Bay's offense, specifically their offensive line, needs to do. Tampa Bay's defense needs to take advantage of of that battered, bruised, and banged-up Kansas City offensive line, and don't even think about trying to guard these track stars man-to-man, right? So it starts with the front seven. The key to Tampa Bay's defensive success this season, the linebackers, the D-line. Vita Vey is back. I've talked a lot about him this week. He wasn't there the last time these two teams squared off in Raymond James Stadium. Go after the backup offensive tackles of Kansas City. Mitchell Schwartz, the all-pro right tackle. He's been out since week six. Eric Fisher went down in that Bills game. This is going to be Kansas City's first game this season without Eric Fisher protecting the blind side of Patrick Mahomes and guys like Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul. They need to go all out, every down, every rush, every play against this Chiefs offensive line. And on the outside... How does Tampa Bay's secondary, far and away the weakness of this defense, the weakness of this team, how do they contain the Tyreek Hills, the Travis Kelseys, the McCole Hardmans? They play zone defense. Everything that Green Bay did wrong within their secondary in the NFC Championship game, Tampa Bay needs to make sure they don't do the same. They need to keep the play in front of them, keep the ball in front of them. This is a group, the Kansas City wide receivers, that can get behind any secondary in football. And if they get behind Tampa Bay's defense, ball game over. You know, Mark Schlereth was on yesterday for that incredible spot, and he talked about his old teammate Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of Tampa Bay, and he praised Todd Bowles' game plan because it's aggressive as hell. And Todd's plan, like Mark said, is he'll get beat. He'll give up those three explosive plays every game. But then his defense will create five explosive plays of their own, and that's how they'll beat you. You can't give up those three explosives in this one if you're Todd Bowles on the Tampa Bay defense. You can't do it. There is no wiggle room in this one to allot Kansas City three explosive plays because these Chiefs wideouts, Travis Kelsey, I'll throw him in that group, they will take those three explosive plays, and they'll turn them all into scores, and if you're Tampa Bay and you put yourself at a 21-0 deficit right there, there will be a lot more to follow. Look at what happened the last time these two teams played. If Tampa Bay finds themselves in a 17-0 hole early, just like they were trailing Kansas City 17 nothing at the end of quarter number one the last time they played, put a bow on it, wrap it up, this one's over. So Tampa Bay is going to need to keep the ball in front of them They're going to need to hit Mahomes, pressure Mahomes. Look, this game ultimately is going to be won by which defensive front puts more pressure on the opposing quarterback. Because these guys are great. These guys will not beat themselves. You're going to have to force them to turn the ball over. So who's going to execute? Who's going to win this one? (laughs) My pick will be revealed in my final words. So stick with us here on Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. Trey Turner, Chase Blackburn, Archie Manning, they're all set to join the show. You don't want to miss it. Today's episode of Serralo Sports Talk is brought to you by the Bula app. Bula, make life fun. Challenge anyone to anything, anytime, anywhere. Memorialize a challenge or dare with a friend, multiple friends, or even your enemies on the Bula app. Bula is the first ever social challenge app, so invite all your contacts for some peer-to-peer challenges or even corporate or charity challenges. This app is for competitors. The Trash Talk feature and the ability to create videos make this app truly amazing. Kids will love it. Adults will love it. I know I love it. So challenge someone during the Super Bowl, because the app launches this weekend. That's right, this weekend. To learn more, check out Bula.fun. That's Bula, B-U-L-A, dot fun. And let the games begin. don't go anywhere
1: you're listening to sorallo sports talk with joe sorallo
0: here on Serralo Sports Talk for this final Radio Row edition of the show. And joining us now, it's the right guard for the L.A. Chargers, five-time Pro Bowler and Go Tigers LSU alum, Trey Turner. Trey, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Oh, man, pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, it's great to have you. And I want to start off with the busy offseason so far for your Chargers. A new head coach, Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. What were your thoughts when you saw the hire of the one-year D coordinator?
2: Uh, You know, I was excited, you know, definitely bring some 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 freshness to the team, in the spirits up and uh, definitely make practice a little bit harder with, with a defensive mighty coach. So uh, <laughs> de- definitely looking forward to, to going into practices and uh, when the offense wins him, him calling it up so we could practice a little bit more so you can try to get the defense to win.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. The offense did the job this year.
2: What's Staley like? Have you gotten to know the coach yet? No, not yet. Uh, He has a lot going on. I was able to have a short conversation with him. Uh, Just uh, how you doing, the introduction, and uh, definitely look forward to getting in there and getting some work with him soon, though.
0: And how excited are you to get to work with Justin Herbert? I mean, such an incredible talent, on display his rookie season. In year two, what's the ceiling for a quarterback like Justin?
2: There is none. Uh, I don't put a cap on no one else's expectations of himself, and I don't think he has a limit, to be honest. Um, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, he's just going to keep excelling and just keep going and uh keep getting good coaching. And, you know, I think he's one of the premier stars in the league.
0: And, look, you've played with a number of great quarterbacks, especially Cam Newton during his prime. What about Justin is different than any of the other quarterbacks that you've protected so far in your career?
2: Man, the kid just has a cannon. The kid slings the ball, man. It's... it's it's crazy how he does it, and it's it's as it's pretty as a ball as you've seen, man. And, you know, uh, I'm just glad he I'm blocking for him. I'm glad he's on my team.
0: Absolutely. Look, Trey, you made five straight Pro Bowls in Carolina. When the news came that you were getting traded to Los Angeles, how much of a shock was that to you?
2: Man, I understand it's a business, man. And mm-hmm. I, I realize that it comes with the territory. I'm just glad to be with a team where I know I got an opportunity to win, and I'm still doing what I love. So, you know, I'm good with it.
0: And how much do you feel you benefit from practicing against that great defensive line you guys have out there?
2: Definitely some competition out there. Definitely able to go out there and bang some hats and uh, go out there and have some fun with each other, man. But most importantly, like you said, we're getting better sharpening up each other and, you know, working on techniques and, and, and just finding a way to, you know, win.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, what's amazing about the Chargers is you guys are a team who, have been injury ridden, but there's so much talent on the field out there in LA. If everyone's healthy, I mean, what are you guys capable of in 2021?
2: I think, like you said, man, sky's the limit. You know, uh, talent wise, we're there. We're just short, you know. So I feel like, you know, just pick up the small things. And it's always about the small things, the little key things that you have to hone in on to make bigger things happen. So I feel like we hone into. You know, uh, listen to what we're being coached up and, you know, just just follow the lead of our new head coach. I think we'd be good.
0: Well, Trey, best of luck to you and the Chargers moving forward into the next season. I want to talk about your old coach now, Ron Rivera. In addition to your own season, how closely were you following your old coach and his season both on and off the field with his battle with cancer?
2: I definitely was following him. It was a shot, um... When we found out, well, when I found out that he had cancer, uh, somewhat of a surprise, you know, when you when you with a person so long and you with a guy that you had so much respect for, he kind of becomes uh, he kind of becomes um uh, invincible for for lack of better words, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like just to, to know that that's what he was dealing with, you know, that that's something that was going on, and it was so uh, it was it's something that that really could have took his life, you know, right then and there. Uh, but I, you know, it was just a testament to everything that he's taught me, and and something that that, that stick with me, that sticks with me daily is ape, and that's control of your your inner ape, and that's your attitude, your preparation, and your effort, and that's something that he's been telling me since my rookie year in the league, and even still to this day when we talk, he tells me that, and. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm just happy that I, that I got the chance to know him, know the kind of man that he is. And I'm just happy that he was able to pull through. And I, I, I'm praying for him and his family that they continue to have blessed and continue success.
0: Uh, I love it. Attitude, preparation and effort. Absolutely yeah. incredible. You say you were shocked to find out that he had cancer. Was it a surprise to you to find out that he kicked its ass?
2: Not at all. Not at all. man. Uh, when you know Coach Rivera, man, he attacks everything with a smile, stern face and a smile. That's that's my guy, man. And You know, like I said, I'm just happy that he was able to come out on that other side and and able to live to tell a story about his battle.
0: Yeah, it's truly incredible. I was lucky enough. I got to meet him last year at the Super Bowl down in Miami. He he was great for the few minutes I got to spend with him. What's he like on a day-to-day basis, though? Because, you know, you just said stern face and a smile. You can never really tell. He's a very measured guy.
2: Yeah, uh, so... He, he plays his cards close to his chest. Uh, I will say that. But he he's a great person, man. Definitely somebody that you want in your corner. He's going to go to bat for you. You know, as uh, long as you as you real with him, he's going to be real with you, man. And you can't ask for nothing more and nothing better than that, especially from a head coach.
0: Absolutely. Trey, let's get to Super Bowl 55. Your LSU Tigers are better represented than any other school in this weekend's game. What does that say about the program's ability to turn out studs?
2: I mean that's I mean it's on paper, man. The the last what thousand years we we've been killing it. What <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it's just a testament to to the talent that that we able to bring into LSU. I think it's a testament to the talent level of, of the kids in Louisiana. Or the high school coaches in Louisiana, or the pro or the, the, the park ball programs in Louisiana. I think it's I think it's all rooted. It's like it is it's a pipeline that that I think is an imaginary pipeline that people don't see that people trickle through and I think in this game it shows how much talent Louisiana really has because majority of those guys that's in that game are from state are from, are from uh parts of Louisiana. So I'm def- definitely excited and uh you know of course good tigers.
0: Absolutely. You know you got to see Joe Burrow week one. What impressed you most from his game when you saw him make his pro debut? Uh,
2: shifty. The uh, kid's really shifty. Yeah, able to get himself out of situations. Smart, knows where to dump the ball, knows when to sling it down the field. And I also saw him, you know, run it in too. So he, he could do it.
0: Absolutely. And Trey, back to this game. This is a Kansas City defense that you went up against twice this year. They didn't get a lot of praise throughout the course of the season, but they dominated Buffalo's offensive line a couple weeks ago. What's so special about this defensive unit? And what's it like for you, an interior lineman, lining up against a guy like Chris Jones?
2: I definitely think they work in cohesion with one another. Uh, you got guys that could come in and wreak and it on first and second down, and then guys that could come in on second and short and third and long and wreak it, you know? So when you got guys that could stop the run, you got guys that could pass rush, and then you got a guy like Frank Clark that could come off the edge and change the game. Uh, you, you got something to work with you know and on the back half on the back half they make plays back then and they have a great defensive coordinator too that puts them in, in really good position so uh it's it's definitely tough it's definitely and you mentioned
0: really you mentioned that D coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. this is a guy who's had success against Tom Brady in the big game before so how do you see this one playing out who do you have Super Bowl 55 just a couple days away
2: oh uh, man I don't I don't have a dog in a fight <laughs> I do. I will say this, though, man. It just seems like it's, you know, the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's on a new team. Super Bowl is in Tampa. He plays for Tampa. It's, it's just it, it Sometimes stars just align, man. So we'll see how it plays out.
0: We will. Trey, thanks so much. When we come back, I've got another New Orleans legend, Archie Manning, joining the show with okay. Trey Turner. I appreciate the yeah. time.
2: Tell Mr. Archie I said hello. Y'all have a good one, man. Thank you.
0: Will do. We'll be right back here on Sorallo Sports Talk.
1: We Don't even think about leaving. You're locked into the best sports talk out there. Here's Joe.
0: We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk. It's my final day at Radio Row and joining the show now. It's a New York football giant legend, a two-time Super Bowl champ, and the special teams coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, Chase Blackburn. Chase, thank you so much for joining the show.
3: Appreciate you having me on.
0: Hey, it's great to talk to you. You know, you've got one of the most remarkable stories in the history of the NFL. Of course, you were with the Giants to start your career. Then you get cut, you're teaching, what was it, middle school math, and the phone rings in 2011. Take us through that phone call, Chase.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a wild time, you know. Obviously, I was just getting ready to be a full-time sub at a middle school for math teaching uh, back home, and uh, we just had our our second son at that point, Bentley, who was uh, just turned four weeks old when I got the call. We were in the basement. You know, the the Giants played, I believe it was Monday Night Football against the Saints, and – had some guys go down and didn't play real well. And at that point I was watching the game and I told my wife at that point, I said, you know, if, if I don't get the call for this one, then I'm not getting a call. It was probably it, you know? <laughs> and uh, the next morning we're sitting there on the lane with the boys, uh, with the baby and my older son We're in the basement and like hanging out, kind of just being dad. And, and uh, the all of a sudden my phone rings, I was across the room and my wife was over there on the floor floor and I was up on the couch with one of my son and I was like oh don't worry about it you know it's just the Giants like laughing laughing about it they like, let it be you like, oh, know it's the Giants No big deal and she goes and grabs my phone and turns it over and I had the number saved in this Giant Stadium because I just needed it for whatever other purposes in case I ever needed a a, a number to call or, or to give out or whatever um, I had it and so she's like no seriously it is <laughs> so I get that call and they're like hey can you come are you ready to go? Yep. So flew out the next day, had my bags packed, flew out that day, and started practicing on Wednesday.
0: Chase, it's it's incredible. I mean, how does that second Super Bowl run, given the fact that you just joined the team in week 11? How does that compare to the first Super Bowl team for you? Is it that much more special because you got the call so late in the season?
3: Yeah, I think it was uh, extra special to me for that reason, to, for being able to join and be a part of – the success where the first one i was you know i had a part of it right i was playing special teams and had a good year on that and had some big plays there but being so much more integrated in the fact of like coming back and having it correlate with us turning the corner um as a team and um just the excitement in the locker room even the day i got back like how it felt really good to just have everyone come running up like man i you, glad you're back you know how excited everyone else was um, so that was that was a really good moment. And then uh, the second part of it is having my boys there. My wife was able to come with her, you know, Lana was young, but uh, my oldest was young and my other one was a baby. So they don't really remember it, but they had pictures with them, you know, with the trophy and on the field and all of those memories that, that are probably more important than the game itself.
0: It's incredible, Chase. Now I want to get to that first Super Bowl of yours because for almost everyone, uh Giant, whether you're a Giants fan, Giants player, the first Super Bowl was more remarkable because you took down the 18 and 0 New England Patriots. What changed? You got to the Giants in 2005, and Tom Coughlin is known for being a hard ass. Uh, what changed going into that 07 season that really helped you guys gel together as a group? I
3: think a combination of some things. I think uh, you know, I think Coach Coughlin obviously kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Not like mm-hmm not completely not a full makeover he was still an asshole don't get me wrong (laughs) you know I love him to death you know I love him to death and I I appreciate the hell out of him for everything every opportunity he gave me and the way he coached and now I the same way I I try to coach is a lot of ways that that he taught me so um but that combined with you know straight hand coming back and buying in being he was basically became Coughlin's biggest asset at that point when he returned and kind of could sell the message to the locker room and and everyone kind of could just come together at that point of like, we're going to, we're in this together. We're doing it the right way. There's going to be a reason for it. And, um, you know, our defense turned the corner as well. You know, we started to that year. We got our butts whooped two weeks in a row, like bad first two weeks of the season. Yep. We get a stop on fourth and goal and, uh, in Washington week three. And from that point forward, we kind of just hit that little gel, you know, moving forward. We went on a little streak and, and had a good time uh, but again we snuck in the playoffs we had that road war mentality and you know it was kind of our backs were against the wall and, and um, I think sometimes when you get that mentality and that feeling around you and it's just like us in a room and we got to fight our way out like I feel like that helped us all come together and and solidify the, the message and play perform to our top level at the end of the year.
0: And there are a lot of Instances throughout the season of like team bonding that I've heard about. You know there was the bus trips in that uh, for that game in London when you were on a bus what two hours a day just to get to and from practice. There was that yep. bowling trip preseason. For you, what was the moment that you guys really came together and you were like, all right, these are the guys that I'm here ride or die for, and uh, and we can take down anyone. I think it always
3: starts with training camp. Honestly, uh, um, you know you're going away to Albany and having the group be together you know the way it used to be set up there in albany was you had these apartment buildings basically and in each apartment in each apartment in each apartment building there was four different rooms and in each one of those rooms there was three two to three bedrooms right so you had two or three guys sleeping in each a little mini condo apartment and then in that building would be whatever 16 guys you know 15 guys in there and then you'd be side-by-side side with somebody else. So it was everyone together interacting in the, in the evenings in that three-hour window where we had a little break in the day, whether it's playing Tiger Woods or Tony Hawk or playing cards, whatever. Um, those moments, you know, along with the end of camp celebration that we always had was was probably the the, the moments where it just kind of starts It's the beginning of it.
0: Chase, it was such a fun season. I want to get to Super Bowls 42 and 46, but – to me maybe the most important game that you guys ever played against tom brady week 17 of that 07 season how did you feel walking away from that 38 35 defeat
3: felt like we had it won and we let it go um you know i felt like we were the better team that day and we just didn't finish and i think that also gave us a lot of confidence heading to playoffs knowing that we had a big i think we were up like 16 we might have been up 16 points on them in the Mm -hmm. fourth quarter and it came back something like that was somewhere around there and um you know, they, for us to have that feeling going into the playoffs of we just took them and they didn't rest anybody and we had the lead and they were trying to go undefeated and we had them and we just let it go. And taking that, going into the playoffs, knowing we, we did that to an undefeated team, we were able to start putting it together, going into, you know, Tampa Bay and Dallas and all that stuff going as we headed to the Super Bowl and put it together. I think that was Tampa Bay, that was Tampa Bay Dallas, Green Bay. Yep. To the Super Bowl that year and um, that was a just that was a phenomenal game you know just for that if they, if they would have arrested their people if they would have arrested their starters and we win they go 15 and one we don't feel as good uh, probably going out of it and probably don't have the confidence heading into the Super Bowl to have the success.
0: Chase that that's amazing because I completely agree I think that if you guys beat New England in week 17 that You probably don't win Super Bowl 42. And I just remember watching that game and turning to my dad. I was nine years old. And I said, oh, man, if we get to play them again, we're beating them. And that's exactly what you guys did. Super Bowl 42. What was the game plan going into that game? It was completely opposite. It was a low scoring game, whereas week 17 was high scoring. What was the mindset on how to attack Brady and the Patriots after having them in week 17?
3: I think, um, you know, I think there was a part of it was clock management, run the, mm-hmm. the ball, um, you know, run the football, control the game, control the tempo, keep it close in the fourth quarter. That was that was one of uh, Coach Coughlin's staples. Get the game in the fourth quarter, have a chance to win the fourth, and we'll pull it off. And, obviously, that was basically the exact situation we were in. You know, Strahan's memorable, most memorable moment, going up and down the sideline, 17-14, believe it, score, we're world champs. Like, all that stuff still gives you chills to this day. Um, so – I think that was our game plan. Get it to the fourth quarter, keep it a tight game, whether we're up or down, keep get it to the fourth quarter in a tight ball game and find a way to win.
0: And you did that, you did it twice against Tom Brady. You sealed the deal that second <coughs> time. Super Bowl 46. What, what's going through your mind when you see that ball in the air? I, I believe you were on Aaron Hernandez, right? Was he the intended receiver on that ball that you picked off in Super uh, Bowl 46? Gronk. Gronk. Okay. Yeah. That ball's going yeah. up in the air. You're on Gronk. Man, what's going through your mind with a chance to seal the deal?
3: You know, I didn't know it was thrown until it was kind of one of those plays where they went to an empty, they went to an empty formation. So I got put one on one there and based upon our our game plan, our check. And you know, we go down the field. I'm in pretty good coverage. And you hear the cl- I, you know, you kind of feel like the clocks going for a while, you're running with them, and you hear the crowd get a roar. So he stops. And I so I stop and I look back and it was someone had missed the sack. I think it might have been limbo Joseph or something had him wrapped up and missed the sack and he gets out. And then all of a sudden you hear a, like a gasp in the crowd. And I turned back. I saw him kind of get out and I turned back and grock was started started going again. And so now, now I'm just chasing, you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking I just got to run get to his hip and just, you know, try to play his hands. Um, because all you know, then you hear the, the everything, and you just—I just knew the ball was coming that way. Like you see, you Gronk me one on one in the middle of the field. I'm throwing it too, so I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't say I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from it. But uh, uh, um, you know, it was one of those things where I was just thinking, get to his hip. His eyes got big. He started throttling down. Um, so I knew the ball was short, just just a little bit underthrown. So I knew I could, had a chance to turn back to it. And so as I turned in, I you know just looking to try to find it, and all of a sudden it appeared in the lights. And at that point, it was just, uh, can I box him out? Can I? Can I? I'm not going to out jump him, but can I shield him from the ball so I can high point it? And in that regard, and you know, fortunately, I think it was Jason Pierre Paul that hit him. I think JVP hit him right as he was throwing and just forced a little flutter and a little short short to it, where I was able to get back into position and go up to get it.
0: It was one of the best plays I've ever seen, Chase. How long did it take? for It to kick in what you had done for the Giants just weeks after being a middle school teacher. How long did it take that night or even that week for it to kick in the instrumental role that you played?
3: Probably quite a while. Um, a couple of things you know, I on that play I tore my um, I had a sports hernia. I tore like a little muscle down there on that play when I landed.
0: Oh, so wow, I, like, I didn't I was know
3: that in pain, but. Yeah. So I was, so I, that was part of it. And my family coming down had um, everyone on the field. It was just surreal at that point the confetti going, you know, it was late in the game,
1: yep. but
3: by, by the time that you get the Hail Mary knocked down it doesn't even feel like it feels like you still might lose going to the end of it. And, you know, watching the Hail Mary and they have a chance to throw it up and they get it to the end zone. So, you know, then all of a sudden it gets knocked down, get to the, get to the end of the confetti falls and the reporters are going You're circling and trying to find my family um, so they can get down the field and celebrate and see my kids. And um, that whole part was just so surreal. And you, don't, nothing kicks in. You're just – they're happy. You're happy. But, just, you know, you just don't know. You don't really realize the – you don't grasp the the overall situation of what you just accomplished and how it happened. Um, you know, probably we were the last people to leave. We were probably there way past midnight just at the stadium. Last people in there doing, doing – interviews and just sitting with the family and talking and um it's probably i mean sometimes even today it feels like a dream right like i, I don't know if it ever really sinks into the 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 absoluteness of of winning and um and everything is just surreal when you think about it to be able to be fortunate to play in two and have an impact
0: it was amazing chase you know those teams make up some of the best memories of my childhood a couple days after super bowl 46 i was cutting eighth grade on the on the train into the city to come celebrate with you guys at the parade so on a personal note thank you for giving me so much to enjoy as a kid
3: no doubt those parades are amazing those, you know <laughs> we need to get one of those here in Charlotte that's that's what I'm that's my next book I got three boys I got two rings I need a third one for my third son
0: there you go it's amazing so hey what's it like working with a guy like Matt Rule I mean he turned around two programs in college Temple and Bailey and I think the Carolina Panthers this year exceeded a lot of people's expectations what's Matt Rule like
3: Love it. Hot, hard, high intensity, grinding. Um, figure out, find a way, type guy. Um, always, always looking for the best way to win. Feels like there's a win, a way to win every single football game, which I believe in fully. Um, no matter the personnel or what you know, what obstacles you may be up against, I feel like there is a strategy to win every game. Uh, we just gotta find it and execute it. And I love that. I love the uh, the intensity. And I, I, I agree. I think we're. I think our trend is continuing to go up. So I think we're going to be pretty close to, to being where we want to be. And we just got to continue to fill these pieces and, and come together as a staff and as a team as we head headed next year.
0: Absolutely, Chase. Hey, before I let you go, Super Bowl 55, two teams that you played against this season, the Tampa Bay Bucs, of course, your division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, who I believe you guys were 11-point underdogs against them, played them to a two-point game. It was absolutely incredible. What did you see from each of these teams throughout the course of this season that is the reason they're the two playing in this game
3: you know the, the Chiefs have been just consistent obviously like they've, they've been that way I think they've won whatever 25 out of 27 or something like that mm-hmm. and really they only lost one game be, one because the other game was the end of the last season when they weren't playing resting everybody um, but they just you know they're talented they, they play well they play they finish games off um, you know most the most of their Score or most of the games that have been within a score have been because they've been ahead and been in control of the ball game and they've allowed a score late to get it to a little bit look a little closer. Um, they haven't had to play in too many tight games. Where when you look at Tampa Bay, it's probably a little bit more the opposite. They, you know, they started and they try to get to feel each other out and bond it together, come together, and they just kept every week, you know, from the first time we played them to the next time we played them, they were two different football teams. Uh, they were so much better. Um, when, when we played them the second time around. And, you know, they continue to finish off the season that way. So they've been in a lot of tight games. They know how to win. They've got a lot of players that have played. Uh, Obviously, the Chiefs have played in in the game uh, just last year. But um, there's a number of people on the the, uh, Tampa Bay that have played in it, coached in it, been around it long enough that they're going to have a pretty good feel for how to execute in a a big stage. Um, It'll be interesting.
0: So what's your call? How do you see Super Bowl 55 unfolding, Chase?
3: Um, I'm. I'm still. I gotta go. I gotta go with Patrick Mahomes. I, they're, I think they're really Steve Spagnuolo's there. Yep. Um, You know, I think he has always has a good plan. I think it'll end up being a little bit lower scoring game than most people may think, but probably I don't know 20, 26, 24, Um, KC a little bit lower, a little bit not quite as high scoring as some affairs might think, but um just the tempo of the first quarter of the Super Bowl always seems like it takes a little bit longer to get going
0: well there you have it from a guy who knows a thing or two about beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl it's two-time Super Bowl champ Chase Blackburn thank you so much for the time man
3: you got it thank you
0: man appreciate you having me on absolutely we'll be back with Archie Manning so stick with us here on Sorallo Sports Talk
1: Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo.
0: here on Sorallo Sports Talk for my final interview of the week and joining the show now. He was a 1969 first-team All-American at Ole Miss. He's a college football Hall of Famer and the most loved man in the city of New Orleans. It's Archie Manning. Archie, thank you so much for joining the show. It's an absolute honor to have you on. Oh, it's my pleasure, Joe. I'm glad to be with you it's great to get to you there's so much we have to talk about you know your incredible playing days Super Bowl 55 the reason we're all down here in Tampa but this weekend is a huge weekend for the Manning family Saturday night your son Peyton will be among the five members named to this year's Hall of Fame class Archie there's no doubt about it what will it mean to you guys when you hear his name called Saturday?
4: Oh just just proud Um, you know this week of talk to a lot of people and um, it kind of, Joe, it makes you reflect um, uh, just that, uh, you know, kind of since the boys were little and gosh, I was playing for the saints and uh, especially his older brother, Cooper, two years older, Eli was five back from Peyton. So he was, he was kind of small, but when they got old enough, and I don't know what that age was probably six, seven, they would go with me on Saturday mornings to Saints practice, and that was kind of a, a common thing. But guys were allowed to to bring their their sons to practice, and it was kind of a walkthrough, you know, and an easy day, and not a lot of meetings. And so they could run and play there. At the, uh, I can remember um, Peyton used to like to get his ankles taped. The trainer was a close friend. He liked to get taped. Cooper liked to get he liked to get in the sauna bath. Just getting the sauna. I don't know. <laughs> I oh, don't behind that, but anyway, just things like that. And then I think I was uh, also thinking about after games when they got old enough to go to games. Well, they would kind of stick their head in the in the dressing room. You know, I'm usually talking to the media or something. They'd stick their head in and kind of wave. And then I'd see them picking up tape and picking up used tape. Tape that guys are taking off their ankles or uh, shoulders or whatever. They roll it up. They're making a football and they head to the don't. they head out into the arena. So, you know, a lot of times, I guess, being a quarterback, I'd be the last one out of there and doing the interviews and so forth. Never went straight to the car, always had to go to the, we had to go to the arena to get them because they're out, they're out there playing. Uh, I, w- I remember reading this past year where Drew Brees' sons did, did the same thing. So uh, great memories. Um, you know when they were little, when they first played organized, uh, when he first played organized football, and some of the some of the funny and cute things that went on. But uh, we overall we're just um, we're excited for for Peyton and his family, and we're very proud.
0: Yeah, it's look it's a well deserved accolade that he'll receive. He's really put his uh, his mind and body to the test over the course of that incredible 17 year career. Now Sunday after you guys get the call Saturday. Sunday you're going to get to sit back and watch a commercial that you and your boys are both in how much fun was that for you to be able to make a Super Bowl commercial with your sons and a bunch of other NFL legends
4: yeah it really was fun uh we we've done some through the years but uh hadn't done one in a while and uh, we actually went out to LA to cut the commercial um uh you know it's kind of I've stuck pretty close to home during the pandemic but Mm -hmm. uh I uh, was invited to do that. So to go out there with, uh, with Peyton and Eli, the commercial is uh, kind of funny. It's uh, you know, th- these guys, a lot of people have already seen it. These guys are in matching pajamas <laughs> and um, like they're little boys and it, they're in their playroom, you know? And it, of course all the stuff on the wall is um, giants and Colts memorabilia me, and so forth. But Anyway, they're playing a little burnout. And uh, I come down the stairs and scream at them, which they said, you know, it's been a long time since I've, I've done that, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at it. I, I, I used to do it quite, quite a bit. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, there's some other guys in this, this for Frito Joe and, uh, Old Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Troy Aikman have a part in there. Uh, Beast Mode is kind of, he, he kicks it off. Then oh gosh, Terry Bradshaw and Jerome Bennett. So uh, it, it's fun to be part of that crew. I'm, I'm the old man. Well, Bradshaw is one year older than me. So
0: Bradshaw, uh, I, I was going to say, I'm sure you're a lot younger than Terry. Come on, Archie.
4: Terry, Terry and I are the old guys in there, but uh, he's he's a funny man.
0: Yeah, he absolutely is. I had a great interview. I want to say it was Radio Row in Minneapolis a few years back with uh, Billy White Shoes, and Terry just sat down in the middle of the interview and made himself comfortable and joined us. He's really he's a he's a character.
4: White Shoes is one of my he's one of my favorites. Peyton Peyton uh, got to visit with White Shoes when he did he did a Peyton Places last year on the, on the Astrodome, and yeah. uh, White Shoes was there. Boy, what a what a great guy, heck of a player too.
0: He absolutely is. So, you know, you mentioned the pandemic before and how you flew out to LA for this commercial, Uh, the timing couldn't have been worse because Eli retired right before the pandemic hit. So you finally had both of your sons who played in the NFL Peyton and Eli retired. You finally had the opportunity to spend more time with them and Cooper, of course, how much have you been able to enjoy time with them?
4: Well, not much, Uh, you know, Peyton, Peyton, his family live in Denver and -hmm. uh, Eli and his family live up in Summit, New Jersey. So we just we've stuck pretty close to home. Now Cooper, who uh, has the three oldest grandchildren, he has three teenagers. uh, They live here in New Orleans. So we but we we even don't haven't seen it as much of them as we've just tried to be safe and and uh, follow the rules and do the right thing during this pandemic. So we we really have uh, missed seeing them this this fall. Miss and certainly miss seeing the grandchildren.
0: Yeah, I know it's not easy, Archie, but I do want to talk about one of your grandsons, Arch, who is already a top college quarterback recruit for the class of twenty twenty three. What impresses you the most about your grandson's game?
4: Oh, Arch, uh, he really likes it. Uh, he works hard. Uh, I know last year during the uh, you know the pandemic was going on, so um they weren't they didn't have spring practice they didn't have any seven on seven nothing or they couldn't even go up to the school and uh and work out school was just shut down locked up i told somebody that he and his receivers got kicked off of every playground in new orleans because they were trying to find a place to work out and they'd be somewhere and the police would come and tell them tell them they they couldn't be there but they'd try to find just some just a vacant lot or some grass somewhere but he, he works hard um he really enjoys the game um i think he, he fits kind of what's going on in in football now he uh, the, you know the the spread offense and the read option he can he can run and, and can move and get away and do some things play action sprint outs bootlegs and those those type of things uh so uh he's just he's he's a sophomore and uh you're always learning but um uh, I think he's got a good, good approach. Uh, His father Cooper has really done a good job. You know, a lot of things have changed, Joe, since Peyton and Eli and Cooper went through the recruiting thing. Absolutely. um, With Eli and all three of them, I think it was, you know, into their junior year before recruiting was really an issue and, and, you know, coaches were coming around that type of thing. Gosh, now it starts with a lot of youngsters i mean in eighth grade ninth grade is so different so cooper's kind of a done a good job of just kind of playing that down and let him kind of let him be a freshman last year and this year it's kind of the same thing although now he's um you know he's, he's got to look at it and he's he's been doing some zoom calls with some coaches and i think he's enjoyed that
0: yeah, i'm sure he is 15 what 15 16 years old and getting calls already yeah he's it's amazing. Who does his game remind you the most of? Because you mentioned he's more mobile. And Eli and Peyton, as incredible as they both were, both will be enshrined in Canton. Not the most mobile guys in the world. So if there was a pro out there that you think Arch reminds you of, who would that be?
4: Oh, I you know, I kind of care. We had Patrick Mahomes uh, a couple <laughs> of years ago at, at the Manning Passing Academy. And I still keep up with Patrick through text and so forth. And, of course, I, I, I'm sure Arch – is is one of hundreds of quarterbacks around the country that uh, that kind of want to simulate patrick Mahomes, but he he does kind of the the uh, when he's on the run sometimes the quick throw and the sidearm throw and the, you know, messes around in practice with the and stuff so patrick's a not, not only a great great young player but good guy and uh so i, I think arch is uh like i said one of hundreds and hundreds of young quarterbacks that uh, likes the game of Patrick Mahomes.
0: Well, that's a hell of a comparison right there and high praise for the young quarterback. Archie, I wanna get to your career, right? You're one of the best quarterbacks in the incredible history of the SEC. And back to that all American season of yours that I alluded to in 1969, you got to be the starting quarterback for the first ever national primetime broadcast of a college football game. And you showed up with an incredible game, over 500 yards of total offense. What were the nerves like going into that game, knowing that everyone in the country would be watching?
4: Yeah, we were we were really excited when the schedule came out. Uh, back in those days, Joe, you weren't on TV every week, so it was kind of mm. usually like my sophomore year. Um, I was a starting quarterback here at Garrett Ole Miss, but I bet I bet we didn't play but two games, maybe three on on TV, regional TV probably, and but we played in the Liberty Bowl that year. Certainly that was on national TV. So when the schedule came out for the 69 season, it showed the third game of the year. We're going to Birmingham, Alabama and play Alabama at night on national on national TV. And that, that had never happened before, never been a primetime game. So we were excited about it, looking forward to it. It was um it was kind of a unique game, Joe. Um, still in those days uh, it wasn't, you know, college football certainly wasn't as wide open as, as it is today. And, um, one time Eli, when he got up to Ole Miss, he was looking at my numbers and he, he called me. He said, "You know, your numbers really weren't very good." I <laughs> said, "Eli, you know, back in those days, if you threw for 170, 180 yards, that was a good game. That was, Absolutely, that was a game. Now, you know, maybe I'd run for 50 or 60, something like that, but just it was a far cry. But for sp- the week before we played Kentucky who wasn't supposed to be very good and we're picked to win the conference that year when this they beat us Joe Kentucky upset us 10 to 9 it was just uh we were running a lot of power eye and we should have won the game but we lost and so I think because of that maybe I played for a great coach in Johnny Vault. it was the only time in in my career playing for him, that I felt like we played a game where we held some things back, and we were kind of saving up for Alabama, and we got beat. So we let it, we let it rip the next week, and and we threw a lot more than we normally did, and went up and down the field. It wasn't, it wasn't Coach Bear Bryant's best defensive team that he had through the years, and, and uh, it wasn't our best night on defense either. So back and forth game with a lot of yards.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible game, and Archie, you did so many incredible things at Ole Miss. Look, it's no secret that your NFL career was slightly less successful than your college career. You were one of the most sacked quarterbacks of all time. I mean, you know, I've heard some great stories. I've had Jack Youngblood on the show and, you know, (laughs) stories of your relationship with Jack and him sometimes trying to take it a little easy on you because of the offensive lines you were dealing with. How often did the thought of getting out of New Orleans ever cross your mind when you were younger and you felt you still had a lot to offer?
4: I, I didn't think about it a lot, Joe. A lot of people recommended it to me and wanted me to consider it. We we were constantly changing. We were constantly changing coaches. Every, usually about two and a half years, we'd fire the coach. And I said half years. That's the worst side of football, when your head coach gets fired during the season. You finish the season with a lame duck coach, a lame duck uh, coaching staff. You don't know who the next coach is going to be. But, you know, they go out, you hire a new coach, and I would always get excited. This is going to be the right time. This is going to be it. It's going to make it work. And um, in those days, Joe, it was was hard to build uh, a good team. But once you got there, you could stay good for a, a, a good while. You know, the Cowboys were a great team. The Dolphins had a great team. And they were good year after year. And, and teams like New Orleans and so, some others, we're, we're trying to climb and, and get there. And I don't know. It was it was maybe kind of a feeling. Um, I'd been drafted here. I was a starting quarterback here. I'd kind of seen the not the brightest side of, of the game, but I want to – I want to see a brighter side of it. And I want to see it here in New Orleans. I kept thinking it would happen, but <laughs> it it never did. We just we just constantly changing coaches, general managers, assistant coaches. Uh, it just it just never never came together.
0: And yet, the whole time you were there, over a decade, you gave that city your all. It's why everyone in New Orleans loves you, Archie. And you're not the only Manning to be sacked a ton throughout the course of his career. Eli also one of the most sacked quarterbacks in NFL history. Do you two ever get annoyed with Peyton that he had such great protection for the entirety of his career? (laughs)
4: Well, he did. He had a boy. He had Peyton had some good linemen. He really did. uh, And he, he had, they had good teams. They just had good team. They stayed good for a long time. You know, uh, you can't take anything away from the the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, that team, that what they did, their, their dynasty. Uh, But a lot of team would be, be surprised um, to know during, I guess the, to it it'd be the decade of two two thousand 2010, Colts are the, were the winningest team during, Absolutely. during the years ten year stretch. So yeah, Peyton was fortunate. Eli, um yeah, the end end of Eli's career was um it was tough. They they just they couldn't run the ball Joe, and therefore, when you don't run the ball, then you don't protect as well. And you, mm-hmm. you're just third and long. you get so many third and longs, and that was kind of unfortunate. And uh, I think the Giants are, I, you know, they didn't win that many games. I, I think they're on the right track now. And, uh, but I think that is the key for the Giants is protect a, a really good young quarterback in Daniel Jones and uh, get their running back, back, get balance up their run and pass. And, uh, I, but I think they're on the right track.
0: I completely agree with you, Archie. Look, you know, I'm a huge Giants fan, and I want to talk about Eli and the Giants a little bit because your son, Eli Manning, is my favorite football player of all time, and I've only been to two Giants games, but I'm fortunate enough that the last Giants game I went to was Eli's final start against Miami, one of the best sporting events I've ever witnessed in person. And what what were your thoughts on how things ended for Eli in New York? Because as great as his career and time there was, I thought he deserved a better finish. Well,
4: as I said, they just, the the team just wasn't that good. I'm talking on the offensive side They, you know, they just didn't run it, which means you don't protect. So it it was some, some tough years right there. Um, But that, that last, uh, Eli understood what, what was going on. So I think he felt fortunate that he got a couple of starts there at, at the end and they, he should have gotten a, a, a road win when he played at Philadelphia. On, Absolutely, the Monday night game. one it Joe a Thursday night? Might have been a Thursday night game. It was a night game. I know that. Um, and then, uh, but at least uh, you know against Miami and got a win there and kind of finished it on a good note. And Eli, uh, un- it was, there were a few media people up there that worked worked over Eli pretty good, but Eli wasn't physically done. Uh, i agree he, he, i think he, Eli he, could have played for the Colts
0: this season Archie you know you look at what philip rivers did this year
4: you know i think Eli it meant been a lot to Eli to um to finish up as a giant and yeah. he just he's got four kids he really didn't want to be going somewhere else and uh i, I was kind of proud of him and his retirement thing uh we, we were just talking the other day it was a anniversary one year anniversary that the other day but the, you know the once Once a giant, always a giant. For him, only a
0: giant,
4: I think. We we were proud of
0: that. He's an incredible guy, really. Just as good, if not better off the field as he was on the field. But yeah, I was just saying to someone the other day, if you look at Phillip Rivers this year, I think Eli has more in the tank than Rivers did. And if you just put him on a good team with a great offensive line, a formidable defense, I always thought Eli had more left in the tank. You know, the Hall of Fame argument for Eli, uh, which I hate, is way more controversial than the Hall of Fame argument, obviously, for Peyton. To you, I'm not going to ask why Eli is a Hall of Famer because the numbers, the Super Bowls, that all speaks for itself. Why is Eli a first ballot Hall of Famer, Archie? Joe, I, I don't know. You know, I, I I certainly don't know very much about the Hall of Fame.
4: I got a lot of good friends in it. Uh, I guess some some friends in in the media that vote on it. Um, and, it, it, you know, I think as the years go by, it'll be, it'll be different for, for quarterbacks uh, because there's some, the, the numbers now are just, uh, you know, the passing game is out there and they're throwing up throwing up big numbers. They'll, there will always be arguments with quarterbacks about wins, about championships, Super Bowls and those type of things. So you know, it is what it is. And uh, it's, it's, it's a few years away. Um, I'm his father. I'd love to to see him uh, be be a Hall of Famer, but uh, I don't I don't have a vote, so we'll we'll it'll shake out. It'll all shake out.
0: Well, I think he'll certainly get there. I I just think that he deserves it on the first shot because, I mean, what he's done beating that undefeated 18 and 0 Patriots team in Super Bowl 42, hanging in there on some really rough teams, and still week in week out, just like you did in your career, showing up every week ready to give it his all. I mean, he is one of the best I've ever gotten to watch. Exactly. Archie, let's talk about Super Bowl 55. Mm-hmm. You've seen Tom Brady in the Super Bowl several times. You've enjoyed those games a lot, I'm sure. What are you looking for in this game this weekend with two quarterbacks that you know well, and Brady and Mahomes?
4: Well, oh, I think we're in for a really exciting game. You know, the the, the playoff games have been good. The championship games uh, um, that was that was a that was a big deal for Tampa Bay to go into Green Bay. And and win that football game. Um, I, I I just can't imagine the Packers have gotten over it either. I mean, there's just some you know some things happened in the game. Just it shouldn't happen in in championship football. But that that's football, and you got to tip your hat to Bruce Arians and his coaching staff, Tom Brady. That that bunch went went, went up there and won a big football game. So they they are full of confidence. You know, I've I've seen you know the Saints. I live here in New Orleans. I, the Saints played Tampa Bay three times this year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know during the middle of the season when they played, they they weren't very good. They, and they've just really, really improved and uh, confidence in their passing game. Defensive lines gotten gotten better. So it's gonna be a heck of a football game. Kansas City's been good all year, but yeah. one thing when I saw this week, I didn't realize both their tackles are out. So mm-hmm. two tackles out in a Super Bowl game. Um, especially against a really good defensive line, that's a factor. That's a factor. So it will be pressure on these guys to to protect. And um, I I see points being scored and close game and, um, you know, probably just like the the Green Bay game. It'll come down to mistakes, you know, who makes the least mistakes. And I think it'll be exciting for,
0: for, for the viewers. So, Archie, before I let you go, who does make the fewest mistakes out there on Sunday? Who do you like to win the game?
4: I'm not very good at pick. My wife would yeah. play "Joe, that just go opposite of what I say." So <laughs> that's what she always said. You know, I, I, I just, I'm. Hmm. Both these coaches are, are good. Both are good. You know, Andy Reid and Eric What they do, their play selection. And you know, I guess I, I presume Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be the MVP, and Patrick probably the runner-up. I think Travis Kelsey could be the MVP of the league. I've never seen a tight end that gets open. And and, you know, and Patrick scrambles that. I've never seen a tight end that gets open as often and does as good a job as he does. I think he's, I I think he could be the MVP. I really feel that
0: way. And I completely agree. Travis Kelsey, I think is going to be one of the X factors in this game, what he's done all year and throughout his career in Kansas City is incredible. Archie, thank you so much for the time. It was an absolute honor having you on the show, and I really appreciate everything that you and your boys have done for the league.
4: Well, thank you, Joe. I'm glad to be with you. You know,
0: any, anything for a Giants fan, I'm always helping out the Giants fans. Sounds good, Archie. Have a good one. We'll be right back here on Serrallo Sports Talk.
2: Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Sorallo Sports Talk.
0: It is time for my final word of my final Radio Roast show down here in Tampa on Sorallo Sports Talk. And that means what you've been waiting all week for, my game But first, before I get to my pick, I have to acknowledge someone who I would not be able to put all of these shows together without, and that is my incredible social media content creator, Kelly Cunningham. I mean, everything that you've seen, every post on social media, every video you've watched, that's all been put together by Kelly while I'm conducting interviews and I'm creating these shows. Kelly has done all of that stuff behind the scenes, and without her... This would not have been in year four for me at Radio Row the most successful year yet. Now, let's get to it. My final word, my prediction for Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, which currently features the Chiefs as three-point favorites. Look, this number's jumped around. It opened at three and a half, and it's fluctuated between three and three and a half. I love it at three because I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. For everything that I laid out in my monologue, every aspect of the game plan that needs to be executed, I just think there's a more realistic chance of Kansas City executing their game plan to perfection. I see it being a close one. Don't get me wrong, and I think that missing both of their offensive tackles is going to hurt Kansas City at times. I think it'll actually hurt them more early on, that Tampa Bay might punch them in the mouth in the first quarter, unlike the last time these two teams met, but I think the Chiefs will get in the groove. I think they'll do it quicker than they did last Super Bowl when they really didn't turn it on until the fourth quarter against San Francisco. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win his second straight Super Bowl. And I'm going to buy that number down because I do see it being a close game. I'm going to buy the three points, which I currently show at minus 115 odds, down to Chiefs minus two and a half, and I'm going to lay minus 135 odds on Kansas City. Look, I've got a really good streak going on right now that I need to uphold. In my previous three radio row appearances, I have nailed the Super Bowl winner both straight up and against the spread in each of the past three. I took the Eagles' money line, my first one. I took the Patriots minus the points against the Rams my second trip. And last year, taking Kansas City minus the points. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And once again, I'm taking Kansas City minus the points. And just like that, this final Radio Row edition of Sorallo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. One more special thanks to Kelly for all her work this week. One big thank you to all of my incredible guests that I've had down here this week in Tampa Bay. And a thank you to you out there listening. I wouldn't be doing this without you. So thank you all. And from Tampa Bay, Florida, that's it for this edition of Sorallo Sports Talk. With me, Joe Sorallo, I'll see you next week.